0: Listener production.
1: Do you know someone who's had a miscarriage? Maybe you've been through it yourself.
0: I think there's a lot of concern when people announce a pregnancy before 12 weeks and people try to hide that. And when one in four pregnancies end in loss, I think that's where the stigma comes from.
1: Today on Feed, Play, Love, pregnancy loss and why access to support services is so important.
0: Feed, Play, Love with Siobhan Hunt.
1: Falling pregnant can be a time of great excitement and anticipation. But, of course, things don't always go according to plan. Up to one in five pregnancies end in miscarriage before 20 weeks, with parents then having to navigate a new reality, far from what they hoped for. Early pregnancy loss charity Pink Elephant has surveyed Australian women who experienced early pregnancy loss. The survey found that, for a lot of women, There were barriers to accessing support services, and more than half said they wanted to share their experience with someone who'd been through the same thing. Amanda Tipping is the co-lead of Pink Elephants. Hi, Amanda. Welcome to Fee Play Love. Hi. What are some of the challenges that women reported when it came to support in the aftermath of their miscarriages?
0: We, we discovered a lot of things through the report that we put out um, just recently from a survey that we did in April uh, earlier this year. Uh, we had 407 uh, women respond to this. And um, as you said before, we had a lot of um, women say that, uh, actually 40% say that there was barriers to access. And these were things like accessing counselling services, um, not necessarily knowing um, where to go to because the healthcare referral pathway just isn't clear enough for them right now. So things that we've got in place are, you know, definitely going to help, um, you know, remove some of these barriers, which I'm sure we can talk about later on too. But we see a lot of women um, wanting information, both from a uh, a medical point of view, but also from that emotional support point of view. And that's where Pink Elephants exists.
1: So actually, I would love to talk to you about that now before I ask any more questions. What is it that Pink Elephant has put in place to make this an easier process for women?
0: Before this report came out, we actually uh, put in place a new bereavement support program which our wonderful counsellor takes a a small group of women through a six-week online program um, and incorporates information around skill building and mindfulness as well. So in the report, people were saying that they found it really hard to access um, counselling services, so we do have that available for them now as well. The other aspect around the 55% also wanting uh, support from uh, that emotional side, so that peer support, this is something that I guess Pink Elephants is built on. So uh, when Samantha Payne and Gabby Armstrong uh founded pink elephants it was about that peer support model so bringing the community together bringing those who have lived experience together to to share their stories and be there to support each other so we've got a wonderful community of peer support companions we've got over 25 companions now I believe and they offer things like live chats and personalized um, peer support phone calls um, all of this is free to pretty much anyone within Australia we also have networks outside Australia and some of our live chats we've had individuals Individuals from Paris and um, London uh, contact us as well to get some support. So. This is a great um, resource for those who really may not, you know, they may not have someone in their community who has had a lived experience of an early pregnancy loss that's similar to theirs, and they can connect in with someone who who knows what they're going through, can provide them that validation, that connection, that empathy that they're after, and that's really, I guess, why Pink Elephants exists. And we do see that need out there in the community, and we are responding to that.
1: I imagine that that is good news for those women who live in remote. Areas, but we do know that Australia doesn't necessarily have equal access to the internet. Um, is that an additional barrier for women in remote areas to get support, even um, through organisations like Pink Elephant?
0: Look, I can't say that that came through in the survey, but definitely we are doing research in those regional and remote areas within Australia to find out more about what their barriers are. I know that what came through was probably more from that healthcare referral pathway side. So, in the kind of regional and remote, um, you know, healthcare system. The access that they have and the the pathways to know about pink elephants and be able to refer on for that emotional support um, needs a greater impact. And, you know, that's where we we hopefully will be able to make grounds next year. And um, we've recently got a government grant from New South Wales, which is one of the key uh, four aspects that they've wanted us to focus on is that regional and rural aspect and how we break down those barriers for them. So a lot more to come in this space. And um, yeah, research is growing in this area, and we hope to do more in the future.
1: I feel like over many years, we have broken down a lot of barriers around taboo topics. Um, I do feel like people or women talk about miscarriage more now than they did even 10 years ago. But it seems like there is some kind of taboo or stigma that persists. Do you have any insight into why that is?
0: Yeah look I completely agree with what you're saying even from personal experience everyone at Pink Elephants has a lived experience my experience uh, uh, I've had one loss I actually had to terminate for medical reasons due to severe severe spina bifida uh, back in 2016 and I can tell you from back then to where we are now and the conversations that are had is so much greater but there is always more to do and I believe that there's um A lot of stigma and um, taboo around miscarriage still just because you know there's this this mythical 12 weeks in place that as soon as you pass your 12-week gestation that you know miraculously you're going to have a baby and that's when you tell people but realistically that's not the case and people need to be educated and understand that um what you know, what can actually occur um, prior to that and that the number of pregnancy losses that do occur prior to 12 weeks, that's the most likely time that that's going to happen. So, yeah, we just need to, I guess, um, have conversations like these and we find that uh, once people open up and talk about it that helps others talk about it uh, I know that you know from the workplace support program that pink elephants offers we run a lot of panel sessions with uh, employees across Australia we support over 150,000 employees and we get to go into these organizations and talk to them about early pregnancy loss and raise awareness and we generally get someone with a lived experience to come on that panel discussion and you'll find that once they start opening up the conversation the amount of um, contact and support that they get that flows on from that is just absolutely beautiful and really incredible how um, that can really change within a workplace as well so it's not just i guess outside in the community it's within workplaces it's you know it's family friends colleagues everyone just needs to get on board and i guess be lean into the conversation as we say
1: one of the things that comes up for me when you say that is we're talking about miscarriage and helping women feel comfortable to talk about their experiences. It feels to me that one of the barriers to that for women is other people's responses. So those who don't have a lived experience, the friends and the family that you're talking about bringing on board, they're the ones that maybe aren't responding as well as they could. Is that part of what we need to do is educate those who haven't been through this kind of loss on how they can actually respond to it.
0: You can't see me nodding right now, but um, that's a big area of focus for us as well. So um, within the community and within workplaces that we work with, we do see a lot of the uh, conversation come from, for example, in the workplace, from people leaders wanting to know what to say and what not to say, because they themselves haven't had a a lived experience of an early pregnancy loss, but they've got someone within their team. And we do have a lot of people um, through our live chat, especially that are um, partners or friends or colleagues of someone contacting us saying actually don't know what to say or how to you know even respond so we always um, say that it's better to say something than nothing at all but please 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 don't leave with an at least statement so you know at the moment it's uh, October and it's uh, Pregnancy and Infant Loss Awareness Month and we're doing a big campaign which we've seen a lot of traction with in the wider community um, to educate people to to not use those words at least. Uh, I know when I had um, our loss we got Got lots of oh, at least you know you can get pregnant or at least you've got a beautiful daughter already you know this just minimizes the you know what you've just been through and it's um you know really disheartening and we we're there to validate not to kind of take away that experience of um what's just occurred so really it is um you know it's not just the the women going through it but it is such a wider education piece for everyone out there, um, whether you've been through one or not or know somebody, just to really even start the education, you know, down at a school level to, you know, not paint this pretty picture of a, you know, you you leave, you fall, you know, fall in love, get married, have a baby and, you know, you've got this beautiful career and things that are inside your control. Sometimes things aren't inside your control and miscarriage is one of them. It, it can happen and it doesn't discriminate.
1: I want to bring in Sarah Heatherall now. Sarah, you experienced a miscarriage during COVID. Did you get any of those at least comments?
2: First, thanks for having me on and absolutely, um, even just hearing Amanda say those makes me cringe. I had the, at least you went further along, like other people that I know, at least you know you can fall pregnant, um, at least you worked it out earlier and you could opt in for the surgery, the DNC, rather than having a natural miscarriage, you name it. And those really hurt and like a kick to the gut almost.
1: Mm, And I imagine if this happened during COVID, that must have been incredibly challenging as well.
2: Um, Yeah. So I guess the last two years for everybody uh,
1: hasn't been
2: great, but I just feel like my husband and I haven't had a chance to have a break following two years of lockdown and now the miscarriage, um, yeah, it was not it was not a great time and obviously because people are still um, getting out in the community, we didn't have a lot of people to be able to contact and touch base with and I found too there wasn't a whole lot of support and that's exactly why I reached out um, to Pink Elephant's.
1: So you were put in touch with Pink Elephants and with other women who'd been through a miscarriage. How did that help, being able to share your experience um, in terms of trying to deal with what had happened and and maybe even move forward?
2: I found Pink Elephants' support group just through a simple Facebook um, search. It was that easy and that's when I started connecting instantly with other women Around Australia, in the same boat as me, or or similar experiences. Um, in my experience, I've only so far experienced one loss. Other women have experienced multiple. That's when I found out about Marianne and her Pink Elephant support bereavement program. I jumped on straight away to apply and just crossed my fingers and toes that I would get accepted into the program because it's um, only 12 women. And I know that there were lots of women that really wanted to do it. So I, I remember the day that Marianne called me and said, we're going to accept you into the program. And I was so excited because I just felt like finally I'm getting some help with some people that actually understand my situation and I'm going to get support that's tailored to my needs and my experience. And it was just the most amazing six weeks. So we had the opportunity to go through um, the grieving process, but we also had that chance to go into breakout rooms and connect with the other women and just talk about how, you know, sad this experience is and what others have been doing to kind of get through the grief and get through the difficult time, and I found that really beneficial for me.
1: Amanda's already mentioned the the problematic Mm 12-week rule, the myth that surrounds that. What do you think about that? idea that we don't announce our pregnancies until at least 12 weeks?
2: I personally don't like that rule. Um, My husband and I made the decision to tell parents and siblings um, at about our seven mark week because I made it very clear to them, I've got a history of endometriosis, hypothyroidism and celiac disease. So we didn't think that our pregnancy journey would be easy. And I said to my husband that I want these people to know and I want this support network around me in case something happens or we have, you know, go through a difficult pregnancy experience. So we made that call to let close family know very early on. I even let my employer know very early on, um, which I'm so glad that I did because then when things started to go downhill, I had those people to kind of touch base with and I just had this massive support network around me. I did find it really hard to reach out then to friends um, that weren't aware of the situation because obviously we weren't going to tell them until after the 12-week mark. So I don't know how we'll do things differently, you know, if the time comes that we get our second chance, but I definitely don't like the 12-week rule.
1: You mentioned there how important it was to have that support network around you. And I know that so many people don't know what to say I'm just curious, were any of those friends or family particularly good at offering you comfort? And if they were, what was it that helped the most?
2: Yeah, um, family were amazing. We had flowers delivered every day. Um, We had people meal prepping for my husband and I. We took some time away from work for about two weeks. Um, Obviously, I was in and out of hospital and I had uh, retained tissue as well, so I actually had to go for a second DNC two weeks later. So the physical impact on my body as well, having to heal meant that my husband and I were finding it difficult to clean the house and meal prep. So we had a lot of people come over and um, clean for us, cook for us, drop off little goodies, and just be there to listen and to let us vent. That was the biggest thing. I could just share my story with other people and Um, most people were pretty um, supportive about it and would just sit and listen and just offer their condolences, which was really great.
1: Well, Sarah, thank you so much for sharing your story. I'm sorry for your loss. And Amanda, thank you for coming on and for all the work you do at Pink Elephants. Thank you. Thanks for your time today, ladies. Thank you very much. That's Amanda Tipping. She's a co-lead of Pink Elephants. Sarah Hatherall is a proud Gamilaroi woman who's been through a miscarriage. Now, if you would like further information, we will put a link to Pink Elephants so you can access their support. I hope you enjoyed this episode of Feed, Play, Love, a listener original podcast. If there's something you'd like to learn more about, email me at feedplaylove at sca.com.au. I'd love to hear from you. For more great kids and parenting podcasts, check out the Listener app and don't forget to follow us. I'm Siobhan Hunt. See you next time.